I'm going to go to um, the Old Testament scripture, Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Um, when you have it, can you say amen? Actually, get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. Psalm 32. Amen. The 32nd Psalm. Amen. And the word of God reads, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my warring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is dry, or turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I want to speak to you today from the title, A Timely Confession. A Timely Confession. Now, let me just give you the backdrop of this, the, the story behind this psalm. This is the psalm of David. This is one of the, the, the psalms that he wrote. And it's basically um, the story of David and Bathsheba. And we know that story. We're familiar with it. But just in case... Um, some of you aren't, and some of the people who are listening are not familiar with it. Let me just kind of give you a play-by-play of what happened. David sees a woman bathing on some rooftop from his palace, and he has intercourse with her. He brings her to his palace and takes this woman, and he knows that she is someone else's wife. Bathsheba gets pregnant with his baby. David tries to cover it up by sending her husband, who is away fighting a war that he has commanded, in hopes that he will come home and sleep with his wife and think that the husband ended up getting Bathsheba pregnant. Well, the husband is an honorable man and decides that he will not even go home to be with his wife while his brethren are out there fighting the war. (laughs) David tries to get him drunk. He stays at David's house. (laughs) So then David decides the only thing that he can do and the best thing he can do is to kill Bathsheba's husband. Instructs his war general to make sure that he puts Bathsheba's husband in the front line where the battle is the most fierce and then instructs the people that are with him to suddenly back away from him leaving the husband by himself and he is killed instantly. Then uh, 
does what he does. He, he is in public and doing what he does as a king and, and things seem to be going on as usual. But in private, David is troubled. He's troubled. Things are not going so well. So he learned some things here in Psalm 32 that I want us to take note of. And the word of God reads, Psalm 32, verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Amen? The word transgression here means rebellion. Blessed is he whose rebellion, whose sin, you've crossed a line that you were not supposed to cross. You've broken God's law. And he's saying that the man who has done that, he is blessed if his transgression, his sin, is forgiven and, and covered. David says you are blessed when God forgives you. Amen. Now some people would say that being blessed or the best thing that can happen to you, um, especially in our culture, especially nowadays, uh, is being happy or having no money problems or having somebody think you're cute and love you and you know, this is your big day and you go get married. Or maybe it's, the, you know, for some people it's the birth of their first child. You experience the birth of your first child. Now all of those things are well and good. But to have any of those experiences, you must be first a creation of God. Amen? And creation is not an accident. And this world and everything in it, in this planet, has a designer. And that designer has a purpose for everything and everyone that he's created. Amen? And the worst thing in the world is to be created and not live up to the purposes of your designer. Amen? Not live up to the expectations of the one who has created you. So the best thing in the world is to get news one day that in spite of all of our failures and everything that we've done, that the God who has created you has decided to forgive you. There is nothing better that a human being who is created by God could ever experience other than forgiveness. Amen? Amen. In reality, if you don't have forgiveness, you really don't have anything. If you think about it. Right? Verse 2. So blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. We learned it. David taught very well in uh, Bible study about the word iniquity meaning twisted or bent behavior. Okay? When God does not impute or regard, or record <laughs> your twisted, bent behavior against you. David said, blessed is the man to whom, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. That word guile means 
deception. So there's a couple of ways to deceive. Number one, you're not living a lie in front of others. Number two, you're not believing a lie. You're not deceiving others, nor are you being deceived by yourself. Amen? So the lie says that I should seek happiness. The lie says I should seek my desires. The lie says I'm entitled to something for being here. Gimme, 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 gimme. And we go about our life trying to get a bunch of stuff or trying to have a bunch of stuff. That's what the lie says. No, the truth says this. Above all things, the one thing that I must have is forgiveness. 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 Now, we've heard it said, and it's interesting that Romans 5 is where we are, because we're going to end up there in a minute. And it's also interesting that our prayer um, focus today was forgiveness. Interesting. And forgiveness is often preached from the standpoint, what we hear most times is, you know, if someone has done something wrong to you, we need to forgive. The Bible even says, if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. David just brought it across just a minute ago. We've been forgiven much, so we should forgive much. I always say it like this. There's somebody who's done something wrong to you. How many things have you done wrong against God? Today. Right? So we can't go around holding people in prison with unforgiveness. When the truth of the matter is, is God is not holding us unforgiveness. Amen? I, I agree with that. And forgiveness is a very popular thing even in our culture now, believe it or not. Forgiveness is like, you know, you've heard this, this, sermon, uh, uh, this uh, statement before. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for somebody else to die. You've heard it? Various ver- versions of bitterness is like drinking poison, you know, or taking poison yourself and waiting for someone else to die. Because unforgiveness is actually unhealthy. We've heard that. We've heard sermon after sermon on this subject. If you don't forgive someone who's wronged you, it's not good for you. It's unhealthy to be bitter. It's unhealthy to hold bitterness in your own heart. This is not just something we hear in church. This is something we hear even in secular circles. It's in counseling circles now. It's in a secular element or the the secular world system. It's very popular now for people to understand that we need to forgive. But the Holy Spirit is not telling David that specifically in this verse, coming up in verse number three. Saying something slightly different. The Holy Spirit is telling David that there's something we need to remember about forgiveness. Keeping sin to ourselves is like drinking poison and expecting God to heal you. Holding sin is like drinking poison and expecting God to heal you. Verse number three. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring 
That word roaring means moaning and groaning in anguish and in pain. He said this was happening all the day long. So David is performing his kingly duties. He's operating in his office publicly, smiling, and inside in torment. Mm. Amen? He said, when I kept sin to myself, it began to eat me alive. When I kept what I did private, it began to destroy me from the inside out. My goodness. We don't talk about this this much, do we? But it's right there. Amen. For day and night... Thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture turned into drought of summer, the, the, the drought of summer. It's a sinful existence. Sin can drain the very life out of you. Amen? This speaks, this second verse, uh, verse four speaks of an emor- emotional torment or emotional strain. Basically, you are physically and emotionally a health risk to yourself. And then he says this, he says, Basically, you're dying from the inside out. You're drying out because of sin. And he says, Selah, think about that. Calmly pause for a second and really chew, thank you, Pastor Rick, on that. Don't just read past that verse and go about your merry way and go to Sizzlers. No. He says, I want you to think about that. David wants us to pause here for a moment and consider what God is saying. Unconfessed sin can kill you. Okay. Sin is so destructive, saints, it will cause death all around you. Things that you're working on won't happen. Plans that you're trying to do won't go anywhere. It will affect people that you love. But not only that, David is saying, you know, on the outside, that's what's happening around you. You know, but inside, there's something tearing at you. You know, there's something tearing at you. It's physically killing you. So you know the story. Bathsheba is pregnant, and she has David's baby. So you do the math, it's about like nine months before the baby shows up, and then some change. And, you know, so it's been about, let's say, maybe about a year. Scholars believe this has probably been about a year that this has happened, or this is going on. And David is still not saying anything. Business as usual. You know, he took somebody's wife, got rid of the husband, because he could. He did it, because he could, thought he could get away with it. And goes about his merry way, doing business as usual. Not saying anything about it, covering up the sin, and he's dying on the inside day by day. And soon after that, everything is going on, business as usual, until Prophet Nathan shows up. (laughs) And he confronts David... And some of y'all know the story, but I'm not going to go into it. But he confronts David and exposes the sin. And a year later, could you, I mean, 
doing everything you at work, clocking in for work. You know, how you been? I'm good. That murder sure is bothering me. <laughs> been okay, David? How was the picnic? Picnic was good. Here's my wife Bathsheba. I shouldn't be with her. But. A year later, David confesses to what he has done. Now, God was not trying to embarrass David. God was not trying to shame David. God desired to literally save David's life. Are you hearing me? Because it's not so much that God was so angry at David that he wanted to kill David. No, God knew that if David did not confess this sin, David was going to kill himself. Are you seeing the picture? He said, my bones are waxing old. This is killing me. I have health problems because I have unconfessed sin. My goodness gracious. God knew that David was not made for the purpose of hiding or holding or covering up sin. We are not made to take on that kind of evil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not designed that way, people. That is not running efficiently. Okay? Psalm 38 and 3. Psalm 38 and 3. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken. Why? Because of my sins. See it? Psalm 31 and 10. Psalm 31 and 10. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. That's the emotional strain. Okay? Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. What's happening? We're not designed to sin and have business as usual. That's not how it works. I'm trying to, Pastor Rick. <laughs> verse 5. Go back to verse 5. Psalm 32, verse 5. So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit wants us to learn from this, right? He's inspired David. To, listen, David, tell the folks what you know. Put it in the song. I wonder what this song sounded like. <laughs> Verse 5 says this. I acknowledged my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity, the bent behavior, the twistedness of my sin. Stop and think about that. Now let's pull this verse apart a little bit. Acknowledgement. Pastor Jamie, are you here? Yes, I acknowledge that I'm here. Back in the day when I was coming up in grade school, it'd be like, Jamie Hawkins, present. 
the truth of what you're saying. You called me Jamie, I am Jamie. Yes, I am. Look at me, I'm right here, I'm here. Okay? Acknowledging my sin. Here's the thing. We live in a culture now today where people don't like the word sin. We don't sin. I make mistakes. <laughs> don't call me a sinner. You're offending me. I do not identify as a sinner. I'm just a person who slips up. When you say that I'm a sinner, that means you are forcing me to be accountable. Hmm. I somehow have to pay for or try to fix what I've done. People don't like the word sinner. They like to say, I made a mistake. I remember several years ago, somebody came to me about something that someone did to me, and they said, oh, Jamie, it's not that bad. It's just that they made a mistake. I said, no, actually, this is a sin against God. It's still a sin, but they want to color it a certain way. When you're driving in your car and you see a yellow light, And you decide one of two things. This yellow light means that I need to slow down. Or this yellow light means I need to take my foot and push it through my car. Push the pedal to the metal where I got a hole in the bottom of my car. Trying to get past that light. Now. In the process of me deciding that I need to go faster, when the cop pulls me over and says, sir, you broke the speed limit, I cannot say I made a mistake. I accidentally went too fast. He's going to say, well, I'm going to accidentally write you this ticket. <laughs> because the truth of the matter is that's not a mistake. I broke the speed limit. I had a moment of impatience. I acknowledge. And you know, here's the thing about it. Now everybody that I was trying to get in front of is way ahead of me. Because I'm on the other side of the road getting a ticket. It was an accident, though. No. People don't like the word sin anymore. We don't want to be called sinners. Why can't I call myself a sinner? Why are people offended when I call them sinners? Why do we call sin a mistake? Did you rob the bank by mistake? Everybody get on the floor. I mean, I'm sorry. Did you sleep with that married person by mistake? 
The whole time you're looking at the ring. Did you curse that person out in anger by mistake? This whole paragraph that I put together for you and your mama and your family. Was that a mistake? Did you slip up when you lied about someone's character? By mistake? Was it it a slip up when you put that information that was a complete lie on your job application? Was it a mistake when you forgot to tell the IRS about that envelope you got underneath the table full of money that you mistakenly never reported? Are these mistakes or are they decisions? Are they slip-ups or are they sins? Sins. 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7 through 9. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What is that connected to? Well, verse 8 will tell us. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So darkness says, I'm making mistakes. The light says, I'm sinning because I'm a sinner. Okay? Verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. So listen, saints. How can we get delivered from sin if we never acknowledge that it is sin? How can we get delivered from sin if we never admit that we have sinned? If we allow this culture of it's not so bad. You know, young people say, my bad. (laughs) If we allow the my bad culture (laughs) to lead us, do you know that the next generation won't even be able to tell what's right or what's wrong? And honestly, we're already there. We're already there. When we evangelize and we tell people that Jesus loves you so much because you haven't really done anything wrong, but he thinks you're a wonderful person and he likes you so much that he wants to see you every Sunday. No. Jesus didn't die on a cross for mistakes. When I make a mistake, or let's say, for instance, I go and For instance, I went to a restaurant a couple of nights ago, and you put your name on the list. And because we live in an area where there are a lot of Latinos, you know, in California, and they may say, you know, "Um, next up, uh, Jaime. And I said, no, Jamie. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, my, my mistake. That's a mistake. Jesus didn't die for that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And then that same night, I was sitting in the restaurant and there was this group of young ladies talking about relationships and men or whatever have you. And I was kind of close to the bar area so I can get a faster seat because I was by myself. And they're sitting there and they're talking, you know, and they're having their little drinks and whatever have you. And, and I'm just kind of ear hustling because that's what I do. I get nosy when I go to restaurants. I get in everybody's business. <laughs> and I wait. And so the idea, the conversation that was happening between these young ladies is, is we are good people. And these men are no low-down, dirty dogs. And, and I can't believe he did that. And, and she's so stupid. Look at her. Why would she even date somebody like that? And yada, 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 and so on and so on. So. And you just kind of got the feeling that they were smarter than everybody else. They were better than everybody else. And one of the person said, you know, one of the ladies said, you know, because I'm, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't deserve that. And I said, excuse me. I had to stop her. I said, if you're so good, why did Jesus die for you? And she couldn't answer the question. I said, if we're going, if everything is so great, and all we got to do is just have more people like you, why are things so bad? Evidently, we're not that good. Evidently, we're sinners. Amen? Minimizing sin is also minimizing God's holiness. Minimizing God's holiness is also minimizing the consequences for sin. Are you hearing me? I'm going to say that again. Minimizing sin is really minimizing God's holiness. Minimizing God's holiness is really actually minimizing the consequence for sin. You see how that follows through? Okay. John 16 and 8. John 16 and 8. The word of God reads, And when he comes, he will convict, talking about the Holy Spirit, the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The greatest sin, saints, is the sin of unbelief where you don't believe in God. You don't believe you've done anything wrong. Since you don't believe you've done anything wrong against God, then you don't believe that you need his son to save you against the wrath of God. Because you don't need the son, then that means you're actually going to be carrying your sins on you. And that is the biggest lie. Because the truth of the matter is, Satan wants everyone to believe that you don't need Jesus, that God doesn't exist, that you haven't really done anything wrong, therefore you're okay. That's his biggest lie. It's basically the same thing that he said in the very beginning. Did God really say you will surely die? That's his big lie. It's the same thing. 1 John 3 and 5. 1 John 3 and 5. And you know that he, Christ, was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. So basically what he's saying it is Jesus Christ came here for a reason. The fact that he had to come in the first place lets us know that we've sinned. Amen? So back to Psalm 32 and 5. In my iniquity I have not hid. He said, I will confess my transgressions. The word for transgression is not mistakes. 
The word for transgression is sinful, lawbreaker, debauchery, evil. Amen? These are words that we do not prefer to say today. There's a lot of people in a pulpit who are softening their approach on the word sin because they don't want to offend anybody. But when you do that, you're not actually allowing them to feel the magnitude of the seriousness of their consequences, which means they don't run to a savior. I don't need it because I haven't been that bad. I don't need to be rescued because I'm pretty decent. I'm not like so-and-so. That's how David got in trouble. Nathan presented a situation to him and said, there was a guy that was going around taking people's animals. He had all these animals, didn't need any more animals. And he went up to somebody and killed them and took their animal. And David said, that man should surely die. And Nathan said, you are that man. Couldn't see himself. That's the problem with us. Even as children, I was reading this book by Larry Vold. He said, even as children, we go around reporting on our brothers and sisters. Mommy, I hear it all the time. Daddy, Paisley did this. Daddy, Elijah did this. Jamie is up here doing this. Nobody ever comes downstairs and says, Dad, I've sinned. And I need to be punished. I don't need to go to anything tonight. I don't need to do anything. I need to, you, you need to deal with me. That never happens. Jamie's 14 years old. I've never heard any of my children say that. Because we like to point the finger at somebody else. We very seldom look at ourselves, do we? We very seldom look at ourselves. Amen? Luke 15, 17 through 19. Almost done. When he finally came to a census, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have good enough to spare, food to spare. And I am here dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. You see the acknowledgement there? I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as one of your hired servants. What does the father do? We know the story, prodigal son. The father forgives the son for sinning against his father, for putting his lustful desires before the relationship with his dad. Isn't that us? Hmm? Huh? This is sin. Now, here's the thing. Don't forget about the older brother. What did the older brother do? The older brother was so busy looking at the younger brother, he couldn't see his own sin. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So he couldn't, actually, he was so busy looking at what his brother did obviously wrong, he could not see the subtle things he was doing wrong. And he was actually the picture of the Pharisees that Jesus was talking about. Sometimes when we get in church and we've been saved for a little while, we forget that it might be us that's out of line. Because we stop drinking and smoking and sleeping around. We still have things we need to confess. And we, just, we don't need to keep that stuff on us or keep that stuff in us. We got to get it off of us. Amen? What I'm trying to tell you is sin is something that needs to be acknowledged. Sin is something that needs to be confessed. Amen? Get that stuff out of you before it kills you. Psalm 32 and 6, last verse. I think we're going to stop here. Psalm 32 and 6. 
David says this. You know, I've had an epiphany. Not that I shouldn't sleep around and take people's wives and kill folks. No, that's not it. But I got this idea. I think, think the Holy Spirit is saying this. And this is what he says. I want everybody to notice. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. The thing here is that David had only a year of this torment, of unconfessed sin, and it was killing him. Okay? And here we have the element of time. While you still have time on this earth, while today is today, I hope the people online are listening to me. Go and tell God about your sin now. Get that stuff off of you. Put everything on the table. Don't become sick and die over pride or shame to the point to where you keep that stuff to yourself. I mean, confess it all. Amen? And he's basically saying, you don't have forever to do this. God's mercy has a window in this area. You need to get it right while you have time. And you never know when that time runs out. Amen? Confess to God while you have time. And here's the promise. The promise is, surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto you. What are you talking about? Judgment. You will escape the great condemnation that is headed towards everyone who has not been forgiven. What is the flood water? He's talking about the Noah time. When the floods came and there was only one escape and it was the ark and that was it. That's all you had. He's saying now is that same time. Judgment's coming. You only have so much time to get this right with God. Don't miss the window. Jesus Christ is your only way of escape. Tell God about your sin. Receive Christ. If you have received Christ, then get your relationship with your heavenly father straight today. Amen? Amen. Now, of course, there's only one way to be forgiven. You're going to have to need some, you're going to need some very, very specific blood. Very specific. Nobody else's blood will do. Blood shed a long time ago. Blood that comes from divine royalty. God sent his only son, and that son gave his life. And he didn't give it for mistakes. He gave it because there were sins against the Father. Jesus Christ came to this planet for one reason, saints. And get this. He gave his life as payment for every sin that we've ever committed. Every sin. The sins we committed yesterday... The sins we committed today before we got here. The sins we'll commit five minutes after I preach this sermon. Jesus Christ paid for it all. Amen? Every deed, every thought, every missed opportunity, all sins against God. Amen? There's only one way of escape, and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, here's the thing. You can choose, application, you can choose to hide your sin from God or you can choose to hide yourself 
in God. Amen? If you minimize the fact that you're a sinner, you're ignoring the consequences that come with it. And some consequences are not just for eternity. Some consequences you will experience right here and now. Amen? And it's not God trying to shame you. It is God trying to save your life. When things are going a little crazy, you know, I've had a lot of stuff happen over the last few years. And I'm like, Lord, maybe I can't see myself. You know, some things are not on our radar. Some people have to come and tell you about yourself. And sometimes God has to reveal it to you. You ask God to search your heart. Lord, I don't know what it is. Is it me? Now, some sickness is not because of sin. Not every sickness is because of sin. But there are some things that we have done that we know that we need to get straight with God. I'm going back and confessing stuff from years ago. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stuff that I was kind of like, you know, well, I'm saved, I'm under grace now. Man, you know, what's the big deal? It's like, no, the guy's like, no, confess even that. Go to him and say, you know what? Back in 85, that was me. And I had no business being there doing what I was doing and saying what I was saying with so-and-so and such-and-such. And I was thinking a certain thing and my thoughts were all wrong. I was completely out of pocket, God. I'm sorry. I need to go ahead and confess that. Get it off of you now. Live a life of confession. Amen? It's healthy. All right. Last thing. Romans 5 and 8. Let me just skip all the way down here because I think I made my point. You said all that already. All right. Romans 5 and 8. We just read it, just slightly different translation. Interesting that that was the scripture that was for today. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Take that in. Huh? Can you see it? Hmm? And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Jesus gave his blood. His blood is payment. There is no condemnation coming to those who have received forgiveness. Amen? For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Amen? The resurrection, saints, is proof, and it's all the proof that we need that God will receive those who are trusting in his son for salvation. Jesus took the sins of the whole world upon himself so that we don't have to keep not one ounce of sin on us. Did you catch that? It doesn't belong to you. Give it to God. Amen? Don't let it kill you day by day. Amen? Jesus is the only one who can take on sin. (laughs) He's the only one that can take everyone's sin and do something beautiful with it. Are you hearing me? You can't do that. Don't keep that stuff to yourself. Amen? Lay every burden, every sin on him. Amen? Here's the thing, saints. Your mistakes... Your past, your issues, 
Whatever you have done, whatever you're ashamed of, no matter how small or how great, I don't care how bad it was or is. None of that stopped God from pursuing you. Go ahead and tell God what he already knows. <laughs> Amen. A timely confession. I'm done. Amen. Oh,